Welcome to Jury File. My name is Rona, and this is where we discuss some of the cases that Jury File is currently working on or following closely. We do discuss sensitive topics related to criminal investigations, including adult language, violence, abuse, and homicide. All individuals that we discuss are given the presumption of innocence until otherwise convicted in an official court of law. You can find Jury File at juryfile.com and on most podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, and Instagram. Jury File dedicates 100% of our compensation to the operation of providing legal and medical needs to the families that we support. In this episode, we're going to talk about some news stories that have been coming out of Flint, Michigan. Um, There is a lot to be discussed when it comes to Flint. That entire area of Michigan has been plagued by issues for quite a long time now. Um, This includes the Detroit area, and Flint is not far from the Detroit area. From that whole area of Flint down to Detroit has had a lot of problems over the years. We just want to talk about where some of these stories that have recently been happening in Flint. Flint, Michigan... Detroit, Michigan, Ann Arbor, uh, Grand Rapids, all of them really need loyal, dedicated advocates to stay on top of um, these stories and to assist victims in any to assist victims and survivors in any way they possibly can. They definitely need the support, the help, the shares on social media. Um, They just need the overall exposure and attention in order for law enforcement to be pushed by the public to do more for these cases and also for more resources and money to be put into these, these stories of exploitation, of trafficking, Um, and the money that's needed to seek overall convictions as well. So I'm going to start off with an article that it was actually published on October the 11th. So this episode was supposed to go out a little while ago, and we got caught up with cases again, but we'll see if we can make this more regular. This is reported by WNEM.com, but I'd like to point out several news articles removed this story since it was published in October. So um, make of that what you will, but I found it interesting. So in this article, it talks about the fact that Flint recently got $2.5 million to help solve sexual assault cases. That may sound like a lot of money. At the end of the day, it's really not. A $2.5 million grant could get hundreds of rape kits off the shelves in Flint and to labs for testing. The money is coming through the Justice Department's National Sexual Assault Kit Initiative and will be used for forensic genetic testing. The person who oversees this investigative aspect is Flint Police Sergeant Mona Patterson. She tells TV5 each case is more than a mere number to her. We hope it is. I've been on the department for over 25 years, and I would say since I've been in this unit, I've probably cried the most. Just being able to hear their stories and what's connected to it and just see them get justice. Well, it will be great if that truly happens um, for people in the area of Flint, because a lot of these rape kits have been sitting on shelves just for an unspeakable amount of time. It's not always the officials um, in charge like Patterson. It can be resources, it can be finances, it can be a lot of things. But the push, the overall push 
to rectify these issues has just not been there for a very long time. It's unfortunate that there hasn't been a bigger push even by the people in these positions to get this taken care of sooner. She says that of the 770 kits in her unit, wow, 770 kits, her unit has submitted for testing more than 200 involved cases sent for prosecution. Of that number, there were more than five serial rapists and one tied to human trafficking. See, Patterson said testing revealed one serial rapist had 26 victims. Absolutely absurd. And I would love to know how long that rape kit was sitting on the shelf. Not only the testing came back showing us that he was connected to all of the cases, but also he videotaped his rapes as well. So we were able to solve those. That, wow, that is awful. Great that they're able to solve it, but just awful that who knows how long that was sitting on the shelf. And another one of the serial rapists was of children. And he had since been locked up after being released from sexually assaulting multiple children in the past. Patterson said that there is a backlog of as many as 500 rape kits. She says that with the money, we hope to be able to get a lot of it taken care of. I hope so too. I hope that that does happen for Flint because that is a huge issue. There's a lot of trafficking, exploitation, um, assault happening in the area of Flint from there, like I said, down to Detroit. This is a great place to start. Try and process the information we already have, the data we already have on who may be out there that is repeatedly offending and causing for, for more people to be traumatized on the streets. We have enough predators out there. Uh, we have ways to bring some of these people into justice. And this is a great way by just processing the data we already have, like rape kits. And then it's also important that as this information is found out that the news articles are shared when these people are going through prosecution, their their faces, their names, the stories should be shared. That way there, if there's more victims, you can build a bigger case against that person. You can allow the courts to see and understand why they are a threat to be out in general society rather than them being convicted as a one-time, one-and-done offense. We know that many of these people have multiple victims. On December 12th, WNEM.com reported that, that two suspects were arrested after a body was found in an abandoned building. Two suspects were taken into custody after a man's body was found in an abandoned building in Flint. It happened around 2.45 p.m. in the 3500 block of Davison Road on December the 5th. Flint police and the Michigan State Police in Bridgeport responded to the scene. Two suspects were developed and taken into custody. The incident remains under investigation, but police are investigating it as a homicide. If you have any information, please contact Detective Sarah Egbert at 810-237-6912. This type of, this type of incident is very common between Flint and Detroit. And I think it's just notable to keep in mind um, that there are still a lot of issues happening around Flint and Detroit. People, locals in that area are very protective of that area and they don't often like some of these things being pointed out. But I think that the more we point them out, the, 
the more we can try and do something about it um, and try to help them out and try to get good advocates for that area to speak out and and let people know that Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, they, they need more help. Um, help is still needed. They have come a long way over the last decade as far as cleaning up certain crime and things that are happening within Detroit and Flint, but I think a lot of help is still needed. A Flint man was charged with killing and dismembering and disposing of his father's body in a dumpster, but wait till you hear the rest of the details. A Flint man is charged with killing his father and dismembering the body, then putting the body parts into a garbage dumpster. Aaron Scott Reeves II, 27 years old, was arrested Tuesday hours before his father's body parts were identified in plastic trash bags in a dumpster. Um, the dumpster was at a business on Davison Road between Avril Avenue and Center Road, the article states. Police identified the body of Aaron Scott Reeves, 50, of Flint, and it is believed father and son lived together. Reeves II is charged with murder and dismemberment and mutilation of a dead body and will be arraigned on Friday. A motive is unknown at this time. Okay, so at the time of his actual arrest, they didn't know why this actually happened. Let's go to a different article here. So if we go over to mlive.com, this is what they had to say after he was arrested. Aaron Scott Reeves II appeared before a Genesee County judge on Wednesday, December 7th, and he pleaded guilty to single counts of second-degree murder and mutilation of a body. Prosecutors amended the initial charge in the case, which was open murder, to second-degree murder prior to the plea. No charges were dismissed, and no sentencing agreement is included within the framework of the deal. So let's get to the motive. Appearing in court on Wednesday afternoon in an orange jumpsuit with his hand shackled in front of him, Reeves told the judge as part of his plea why he killed his father on March 24, 2020. Reeves said that he and his father began arguing, but things escalated when the younger Reeves called the victim a pedophile. Reeves said he called his father the word before slamming the door to his bedroom in the Tiptree Path home the two shared. About five minutes later, he exited his room and saw his dad standing with a knife. When the defendant approached his father, he said he stabbed him in the side with a knife. I pulled the knife out. He kind of stood there, shocked. I stabbed him in the throat. He fell down and gasped for air and died. Reeves said that the pedophile comment hit a nerve with his father because he'd learned that his father had been sexually assaulting family members when the defendant was 13 years old. Days prior to the homicide, those family members had talked to Reeves about the abuse, so it was fresh in his mind at the time of the argument. Michael Ewing, the attorney representing Reeves, said his client's father had been charged in connection with a sexual assault case in Shawasi County previously, but the case was dropped. Afterward, Reeves said he panicked and cut his father's body into pieces before disposing of the parts in a dumpster. Ewing said he intends to ask the judge to sentence his client to a minimum of 15 years in prison, but could not make any promises. I expect that we will be able to demonstrate to the court's satisfaction reason for going along with that, Ewing said. 
Genesee County Prosecutor David Layton said the charges about Reeves' father do not excuse his actions. The defendant stands convicted to the murder and dismemberment of his father, and he will be sentenced to a lengthy prison term for doing so, Layton said. Allegations by the defendant of his father's past allegations do not excuse nor justify the defendant's actions in this case. You cannot take the law into your own hands. And I hate to say it, but in many ways, this is the type of behavior that happens when um, predators escape justice so often and when victims do not want to relive experiences in a courtroom um, and therefore drop charges. People get angry over time that these people get away with um, and that that is no fault to any victim who doesn't want to relive that. But people get extremely angry that predators often escape justice. The Royal Oak man charged with targeting underage girls through Snapchat has been sentenced to 11 years in federal prison, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Nicholas Boris Mariani, 21 years old, was sentenced Tuesday by U.S. Judge David Lawson record show. And I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but there are a lot of young individuals who are being caught with CSAM, with kidnapping charges. Historically, these cases were perpetrated by um, usually males that were a little bit older, but like 21, we even have teens that we've seen trying to traffic other individuals. It's, It's very, very disturbing. The article continues, he previously pleaded guilty to coercing and enticing a minor to engage in illegal sexual activity and receive child pornography. The sentence handed down in this case reflects the serious nature of the crimes committed by this defendant, which are particularly troubling given given his repeated efforts to harm and exploit minors. Now, that's what the special agent in charge of the FBI's Detroit field office said. The case was investigated by the FBI's Southwest Michigan Trafficking and Exploitation Crimes Task Force and the Roseville Police Department. Um, This is not exactly out of Flint, but it's it's related in, in the area. Mariani was first charged in late 2020. That fall, a woman went to the Roseville police to report her 14-year-old daughter had been sexually involved with him after they met through Snapchat, according to a criminal complaint last year. Mariani also sought explicit images from the youth court filing show in a separate incident. On New Year's Eve 2020, officers who went to his home to find a missing teen found another 14-year-old girl hiding it under Mariani's bed, wearing a sweatshirt and nothing else. DNA evidence also linked Mariani to a third incident where he picked up a 14-year-old girl from her home in Flint and engaged in unlawful sex acts with her, later leaving her in a parking lot in Detroit. In its memo last week, the government sought a lengthy prison sentence since Mariani appeared to be a serial abuser. And this is exactly what we mean when we talk about sharing articles on jury files, social media, when we share out the articles that highlight cases like this, where maybe only one person has come forward and accused someone 
it's always helpful to share those articles. There could be other victims out there. And especially once charges have been sought, other victims and survivors feel comfortable to come forward and speak about what has happened in their situation. And also back in September, um, out of this same area, there was a Boy Scout leader and former police officer accused of sexually abusing children at a St. Lawrence County camp. Um, there was, I believe it was over a three-year span. I'll link, I'll find and link the article in the descriptions in case anybody would like to check it out. But I believe that they were Ronald Rowcliffe, I want to say, and they were out of Genesee County, Flint, Michigan, and they were charged by state police with um, sexual abuse and endangering the welfare of a child, I believe, was the other charge. There's a lot of child exploitation coming out of this area in Flint and in Detroit. And unfortunately, they, they need really good, really loud, really dedicated advocates um, so that they can get the resources and the help they need to get, get this kind of activity off the streets and away from their community. So keep an eye on Flint, Michigan. Keep an eye on Detroit. Share out the articles. Let's let's expose the evil that's out there and let them know that advocates are not going to be quiet about the things happening in Flint. We want to help them in any way we can. This is not um, trying to degrade their communities in any way at all. Anytime that we post stuff about Detroit, I feel that people feel that by their comments. And this isn't this we want we want to help. We're not looking to degrade any communities who are facing problems like this where you call and the cops don't show up. Families don't bother to report their children missing because they know they're not going to get any help from law enforcement. Um, you have areas in Flint and Detroit and Warren where people you can't if you find a missing child, you can't always get law enforcement to go in there and get them because the areas are so bad, because they don't want to take the risk. Um, maybe because they don't have the resources as well in order to keep themselves safe to go in and do something like this. It's There's a lot involved here, but resources are a big deal. Having staunch advocates, having the money to do certain things, um, it's, it's all a big deal. And when the money on the streets is out running, the, the money that's within law enforcement to correct these problems, it, it becomes an even bigger deal. Um, so let's just pay attention. Pay attention to Flint. Pay attention to Detroit. Don't leave them behind in, in these situations. It's the areas where the cops don't show up, um, where these crimes are literally running the community. That's where we. it's vital that we show up in those areas, whether it's with our voices on social media or on the ground, to help speak for these families, we have to show up for them in whatever way we can.